From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, Now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. What's up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, Jordan Travis Jr., arsonist, passing game on fire, practice observations, and Mike Barber from the Richmond Times-Dispatch talking Virginia Tech football. Let's get a little scouting action going on, everybody. Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com. 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. today, your daily lunch special, five chicken wings and french fries. Buffalo... Have them toss them in the bowl, give you the dipping sauce on the side. However you want it, it's the way they'll do it for you over the corner pocket bar and grill. And don't forget, tomorrow will be the vaunted bingo night. Mm. 7 p.m., test your bingo skills to win drinks, prizes, cash, money. Corner pocket bar and grill. $250. Yeah. Not just 250 bucks each round. So, again, if you win all four rounds, you can win $1,000. Substantial American currency is up mm. for grabs, you're saying. Yes, exactly right. Okay, fantastic. Will there be a hangout Friday, meet and greet? Yeah, buddy. Right. Come on, it's a home game, ain't it? Well, just people are asking so, on the internet. People yeah, yeah, there the will internet. be a there will be a hangout with uh, Jeff and I and Tom, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may be Aslan if he stops by, but maybe not. We'll see. But yes, there will be. We'll, we will be at Corner Pocket. A little happy hour hangout from uh, 5 to 6 on uh, on Friday. All right, come out for that one. Warchant.com, your ultimate symbol sports source. Thumbs up, five-star rating and review. Subscribe to the ultimate symbol sports source. I think we're still running a promo. You can be part of the Buck Club, y'all, but it's but it's a dollar for a month. Mm. For one month, a dollar. Yep. Uh, so get with it. They're back. They're playing football again. Big game. Big, big game. We'll dive into that one a little bit later again with Mike Barber uh, from the Richmond Times-Dispatch talking about Virginia Tech. Corey, you crushed it yesterday, by the way. So want to give it up. Hour number two. Mm, crush it made, made my flipping day you you just delicately placing your fingers on your earphone <laughs> added a certain genesis quad to the whole thing there's the aesthetic it was off the charts man well like done. i'm in boys to men <laughs> yeah that was that was the goal uh i literally i had forgotten i was supposed to do it until ira reminded me before we started the show and even then in between the first and second hour, I'd completely forgotten until Jeff's like, hey, man, he came back in. He's like, hey, you're on in 20 seconds. We're just going to put the camera straight on you. I'm like, oh, no. And uh, I did I did my best. But uh, Tom, I think it was Tom, was nice enough to tweet out uh, my performance. Yeah. And, hey, folks, you'll get another one. What should – if they win the ch- a championship, should that be an hour number two worthy? What's hour number two worthy moving forward? Oh, man. Yeah, you know, if they win – yeah, because if they win the ACC, they probably make it to the playoffs. So by virtue of winning a championship, you're probably in the playoff. You know, saying if they make the playoff, you'll give them an hour number two sounds a little, like, more weighty, like a little bit more, you know, gumption to it. But I guess, you know, in a roundabout way. I feel way. like I, – I feel like it's – you earn – like, I feel like there's a chance they're going to have a loss. And if you have a loss, then it becomes subjective who gets in the playoff. Mm-hmm. But if you go and earn an ACC championship, and it's not up to some people in Indianapolis to decide who gets into this four-team playoff, I think that that merits um, consideration for an hour number two. Because, look, man, it's been nine years since they won an ACC championship. 
nine years. So it would be a big deal. It would be worthy, I think. I won't say Whether not. they get in the playoff or not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that they go undefeated through the regular yeah. season so that we can get seminal wind at Steve Spurrier Field, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. That's what I'm hoping for. Forget Is that the what you and I decided to do? No, that's you. That's you, Vitamin Energy War Chant Rap, having to sing Seminole Wind. But we might oh, actually have man. to break it out I've, into its own standalone. I tell you what, man, I've made a lot of promises here. I got, I, I, it's hard to keep track of them. Okay, I know you will remind me of that one, though. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Promises made, promises kept, one down. Yep. Two to go, hopefully. Yeah. Seminole win in Gainesville and then Bolo ties in Houston for the national title game. Right, so that's right. Yep. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, hey, how about this lacrosse program? We're going to have a lacrosse program, Corey Clark. I don't want to bury the lead, but shoot. Women's Sl- lacrosse in 25-26. Uh, now, will it be an ACC hmm. sport or an SEC sport? That's what we have to figure out. And for the folks wondering, oh, does this mean they're going to add maybe men's lacrosse? My son plays lacrosse. No. Nope. So, uh, you gotta gotta have a equal number of athletic scholarships, uh, men and women. So they're they're taking care of that with the uh, with the women's lacrosse uh, team. Which yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be cool, I guess. I don't know how many teams in the ACC play women's lacrosse, but I'm sure it's more than a couple. They're probably good at it. I would, I, I would assume Syracuse and North Carolina are the best in the country. Duke. Uh, if Packer and Durham makes it seem like North Carolina might be the best, North Carolina women's lacrosse might be the best single program in the country in any sport. Packer and Durham RIP no longer a thing, but I point know, taken. Yeah. We miss you guys together. Bring back the band, everybody. Bring back. Yeah, the band. sure. All right. I want to let you explore the space. I, for whatever reason, uh, Tuesday was a little bit odd for me in terms of focusing in on practice period three. I did notice a nice sense of urgency. Jordan hooked up with Johnny, I think on uh, two out of the, the first three plays as they move the ball down the field. And to be honest with you, I think they ended up scoring a touchdown. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think they kind of want to get maybe a field goal opportunity for that part of the practice, but they, they just drove right into the end zone. That's how uh, well and effective they moved it. I know the headline on the forums, tribalcouncilwarchant.com, was that the passing game was on fire, Corey. Expound, please. Well, first off, I'd like you to know that uh, going on the last – is this is the RPI for NCAA women's lacrosse, the last one. I don't know who won the championship. I apologize. Northwestern was one. Boston College, two. Well, there we go. Syracuse, three. Mm. North Carolina, five. And Notre Dame, 10. Oh. And Virginia, 17. So five of the top 17 in the country, including four of the top 10, are ACC schools. All right, so how about just, that? Let's just, hang, let's just hang in a little bit longer. I think this thing is turning. SMU, Cal, Stanford, things are turning. Oh, let's, yeah, I didn't even look for Stanford. Patience. What, Stanford sucks? They're 31st. Oof. They went three and five in the Pac-12. That I hope that coach is fired. Unbelievable. Those sports at Stanford, they always win championships. What a debacle yeah. out there in Palo Alto. <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought um, I thought Jordan Travis was was really good, I, and I thought the receivers more than that were really good. Uh, I think was it? I guess one on ones happened when you and Ira were moving your cars. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, you guys didn't get to see it. That's why. We thought oh, it was going to be special said... teams. We thought it was going to be special teams. Well, it was, and then it, yeah, I guess it took you all a little bit longer to move your cars. But then they went to one-on-ones after that, and there were seven plays in a row, Aslan. And you've watched a lot of those mm-hmm. where the, the offense, the, the receivers won seven straight reps against DBs, which is rare enough. Yeah. That that doesn't happen a lot even when it's like, even when the receivers are running like three-yard stops. 
and they're running real simple routes and quick routes, they don't catch seven in a row. They don't win seven reps in a row. Well, they won seven reps in a row, and six of them, I'm going to guess, went for 30 or more yards, and five went for 40 or more. Air yards or catching yes, runs? Yes, yes, like okay. absolutely okay. thrown down the field. All right, I like so, it. Like it. Johnny just blitzed past Azariah Thomas. Um, and I, the more I watch that kid, Johnny, and I know we know what his weakness is, but, man, he gets off the line against what you would think would be quicker people. They're supposed to be quicker. They're eight inches shorter than him. Azari is a tall corner, but typically a corner is about six foot or 5'11". He shakes them like he's 5'11". Hmm. And, again, what he does is if he gets a step on you, it becomes three steps. In five steps, because of those long strides, you can't catch up. And he got by Azarie immediately and was five yards open down the middle of the field, made the catch. Uh, Winston Wright made a really nice move and a catch uh, on like a corner route, and the ball was dropped in perfectly. Uh, Destin Hill made a catch. Yes, he's, uh, he's still on the team. They're still throwing to him. Keon did what Keon did. He made a long catch where he – it's just with that kid. So it was like it was another deep route against Greedy, and the ball was kind of hung up, I thought. I can't even remember who threw it. I think it might have been A.J. A.J. Uh, had ball, a lot of burn on Tuesday, by the way. He I did, like. uh, but it was uh, the ball was kind of hung up a little bit. Oh. But the way Keon reacts to the ball, we're talking about 40 yards downfield. He's so effortlessly smooth. Like, he just stops, makes an adjustment. Uh, greedy, I think it was Greedy, falls down, and he just catches it like he's in his backyard, like just having a catch with his old man. Mm. Just how how easy he made it look, and he makes the hard ones too. But but he 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 just made it look so easy. It's like you're just you're constantly reminded of with those two guys in particular. Yeah, they're really really hard to cover. But it was good to see uh, Jakai got free for Jakai and Shaheen. Man, that's a tough it's a tough cover for Shaheen Brown. Jakai Douglas at full speed, like we've talked about a lot on this show, in one-on-ones, it's just not fair. And he, Shaheem just didn't have much of a chance. But again, it was seven in a row of completions, long completions in one-on-ones, which isn't normal. And then when they went into seven-on-sevens and 11-on-elevens, they made some plays there too. Johnny in seven-on-seven had like a 45-yard touchdown. Um, I think Jakai had another big catch. Uh, they just, you know, they 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 – Oh, and Kentron had like three catches. Uh-huh. All, so different guys, too. Different guys stepping up, making plays, which is good to see. All right. I like it, man. I feel very encouraged. Um, also encouraged by some of the comments from Coach Norvell after practice on Tuesday, talking about the contributions, uh, the appearance, I guess. I shouldn't say appearance, but just the way that Akeem and, and Robert played. Mm. Sounded like when we heard from him on Monday – Akeem might have been closer to playing than Robert, but you know he said that they put Robert in a lot of the what he said the, the speed or the tempo situations because he wanted to kind of get a feel for seeing if Robert could you know keep up if, if they have to go to that sort of level of execution on Saturday. Good developments, clearly. Yeah, yeah, I, yes, correct. Uh, they're getting healthier. Um, yeah, those two guys that you mentioned, I mentioned Jakai already and Kentron. Mm. Um, and we'll see, like I asked Norvell afterwards about Kentron, because I think Kentron and team stuff made like four or five catches, um, which it was, it was good to see, man. Uh, because again, we, you have to be reminded that in the spring, he was probably their best receiver. Um, so it's good that he might be coming, getting closer to being back, but I don't know if he'll be back. Uh, asked Norvell about him. He said he likes what he's seeing. He thought it was a good first step, 
but it sounded like he needs to take a couple more steps before they think he's ready to play. But he will play this season, it would appear. He's getting closer and closer, and that's just another uh, weapon. Um, and again, I get it. You got to throw to him, but it's another weapon for the for this uh, for for this offense to have. And yeah, man, you get you get Robert Scott back at left. You know, maybe it changes. Who knows? Who knows what they're? It, maybe it makes everything better. He's obviously a starter, so getting a starter back helps. Jakai might have been a starter. Getting him back helps. And again, I just liked I liked what I saw from Jordan. Everything about it was crisp, on point. Every decision he made was good, which is usually the case. But they were good throws, and the receivers went and made plays. When uh, defense was going up against the scout offense, yeah. scout offense actually, I don't want to say the name because I don't I don't know who it was, but they used a scholarship. I don't know, I shouldn't say because I don't know who it was, but they put somebody at quarterback that was not a quarterback to facilitate and to give them the look of what I guess they're probably anticipating out of Kyron Drones, a quarterback for Virginia Tech who's uh, quite potent with his feet, quite uh, yeah. dangerous with his legs. So if you're wondering, you know, I, I don't have the name. I don't have John Franklin playing the role of Nick Franklin or Nick Marshall. Nick Marshall, John yeah. Franklin, shout out. John Franklin the third, right. not to be confused with the second. Right. Uh, so not exactly which player they had, but somebody that's definitely fast and dynamic was – uh, playing quarterback, and they, they hemmed him up for the most part. And there was one that he busted off, but these things will happen. It was the first day of uh, going up against the scout looks there. Uh, how about our guy Braden Fisk? Shout out. If we could retroactively go back and do a trench talk and get it started this year. I know Robert Scott's a fan favorite. Would not turn that one down. But Braden Fisk, man, keeping a 100, as the kids would say maybe, or they said maybe six years ago. I was going to say, I think uh, those people have kids now Yeah, that were saying that. Um, I like yeah, him admitting man. basically that listen, because when I asked him about, you know, I don't know how to say, you know, how different is it going up against a quarterback that can run the ball. And I, I know it's always about fundamentals and looking your keys, doing your job, but it's got to be a little bit of a different level of not anxiety, but I guess maybe just urgency in, in locking things down so a guy like that doesn't go crazy. And, you know, I kind of tiptoed around. He's like, listen, I get it. Let's We can talk about it, everybody. We have not looked good against running quarterbacks. This yeah. kid wants to run, so we need to make sure we lock it down. So shout out Braden Fisk for being a human being and talking like one. Well, and I think he knows, like all of us know, that really it, it feels like the only way Virginia Tech could consistently move the ball against this defense is – or run the ball, I'm sorry – is with this kid's legs. They're, they're not going to do traditional runs in the line and get much, you wouldn't think. Um, that just has not happened to Florida State all year. So, yes, that they, they know that if they can hem him up and make him throw, make him one-dimensional – then they have a very good chance of winning and probably winning comfortably. So, yeah, I mean, and that's his thing. He's What's weird about him is he's different than Daniels and Cassianos. He's a different kind of runner, right? Like, yeah. he's 230. He's more like a – I mean, I'm not I, – I know this is almost sacrilege, but he's kind of like a Tebow hmm. in that he's a big kid that falls forward that gets tough yards. He's 235 pounds. Um and I, I think that, that he's not a guy that's going to shake you and outrun a lot of people. I mean, he's, fa he's fast enough. But he, I guess I, he's not Cassiano's shake-wise and speed-wise. He's not Jaden Daniels speed-wise. He's a different kind of runner. But he ran 20 times in that game Saturday. Like, he's, he's going to run. That's going to be part of their plan. If you can stop him and make him want to stop running, well, again, like I said, you're going to win the game comfortably. And speaking of that, and, yeah, Brain Fist was awesome. I would encourage everyone to go watch that. Uh, we should have a story up on the website soon if it's not already up. By the time you're listening to this, I wrote a – I'm going to write – as I, as we record this, my plan is to write a column about Brain Fisk, and I'll talk about that in a second. But um, 
I don't know if you saw it, Aslan, on the in the IPF early on, and I think it was eleven on eleven. Uh, Jordan pulled the ball and ran. Mm. And again, I don't know how healthy he is as far as how willing he's going to be able to take shots. But when he runs at full speed, it's 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 just a reminder that oh yeah, this guy is a freak athletically. We haven't seen it much this year at all. He hasn't showcased it, hasn't needed to, I guess, or hasn't wanted to. But he pulled it down, and he makes other people on a pretty good defense look slow, because he is—he's just—he's just electric. And you wonder if that's gonna. When you watch that, you're like, man, he's Cassianos. He's he's a Cassianos type runner. I mean, he's a better quarterback, obviously, than Cassianos. But he can run like that too. Like you got a guy like that too. That if he gets going in the run game and they let him run, and he wants to run and can run, that guy is an absolute weapon. I just it was jaw dropping watching him on this one play where he hit full speed because you don't get to see him at full speed a lot. Mm-hmm. You get to see him at full speed for about eight yards, and then he'll run out of bounds or slide or get the first down, right? But when you see him really gear up at full speed and he's out in the open field, it's pretty crazy. And I was just reminded that again on on Tuesday watching him practice that like, oh, yeah, man, if that ever gets unleashed this season, all of a sudden this offense reaches a whole new level. And he does need to tap into, but I, yes. I, I assume we're not expecting him to, to need to have to do it this weekend. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I would like to see it done a couple of times because I think that will get the rest of the running game going. Okay. Um, I think it, it would be a healthy reminder to Virginia Tech, like, oh, if you're just going to crash down, we got a guy that can run better than your guy. And he's also a much, he's a much better passer, but he he can run better than your guy if we let him, if we allow him. So now go deal with this. Go go put this in your in your uh, in your film, or put this in your brain that you're going to have to deal with this for four quarters. Now, hopefully he's not playing all four quarters, but you know what I mean? Like, I think, I don't think it's something where like, it'll be the Florida game from last year, but I think moving forward, it needs to, if he's able, if he's able, and if he's not banged up, like if he can do it, um, and you hope with two weeks off, he can. Um, And he didn't honestly, well, I guess he did get hit. He got hit pretty hard on one of those plays uh, in, in Clemson. He got slammed down pretty hard on one of the sacks. But he, it wasn't like it. he got crushed a lot in that game in Clemson. So you hope with two weeks off of getting any contact at all, he could be ready to go run. He could be fresh-legged and just show it a couple of times and see what happens. And he could be. he has to be smart about it. Obviously, yes. Yeah, third and three. I don't want you. You don't have to necessarily lower your shoulder there, big guy, to get the first down. But if you pull it one time and you're one on one with a safety, make the safety miss and go house one. Go run one sixty yards. You know you can do that. Um, So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we how that looks uh, moving forward. But yeah, I'm not saying wait until you need them. I think it just needs to. Well, I know, but I think you need – it needs to be part of the offense, man. I think it just helps the whole rhythm of the offense. You think about last think, year, man. Are you, do you think more so designed runs or him just not being overly patient in the pocket and waiting for something to develop? I think that. I think, again, okay. I think the only the only issues I've had with Jordan all year, um, and again, he's 4-0 and he's playing well, is, is those plays where he's rolling out to his right and he's thrown the ball to guys that aren't open to try to drop it in this really tiny window as opposed to taking the yards that are right in front of them. Yeah. 
Um, Now, you know what I mean? Yes. That's what I want to see change. You know, maybe a design run or two would be nice, but I think it's more about those kind of plays. When the bootlegs, the rollouts, the, the options, the run pass options, pull it down once or twice, go make a big play with your legs, and then go uh, and then see what happens after that. Agreed. All right. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Oh, but back to uh, Braden, Braden Fisk, Fisk real quick. Yeah. So um, I just I don't know if you could tell from the, 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 the way I was asking my questions. It just dawned on me like a kid that played at Western Michigan for four years. What it must be like to be playing in Death Valley for the number five team in the country. Like, what a cool thing that is for a guy that's played a whole bunch of college football. I think he said it's is it his sixth year. Sounds I think he right. said that yeah. on Tuesday. Uh, either way, fifth or sixth year. He's 22, 23 years old. And look, man, he obviously he loves the game, and I'm not trying to disparage Western Michigan or small schools in general. But when you're playing in those conferences in that weather in November for a team that doesn't have any real hopes of anything, maybe you make the Detroit motor city bowl or something, but you're not, you're not vying for anything. Nobody watches your games. You're doing it for the love of the game. You love the sport, especially that position. You're, you're getting beat up, man. You're a defensive tackle, a good one, but you're a defensive tackle. You're getting beat up for not much fanfare. You're just doing it because you love the sport and you love to compete. And he's still, he's still that same guy. But now he's a Florida State football player and a very important one on the number five team in the country that just won in Death Valley for the first time in 10 years and is playing really important games with a huge fan base and on national TV. I just think that's a really cool story. We think so much about what these portal kids do for the program. And I'm talking about the the ones that come from smaller schools like Jared Burse or Braden Fisk or Jeremiah Byers, how, how big they are for the program to get those guys. But it's also really cool what the program does for those kids. It's not a it's not a you know it's not a you know equal. Florida State gets more from Braden Fist than they do for Braden Fist. You know what I mean? Right. But at the same time, it's really cool that he gets to experience this. It's this is one of the cool things about the transfer portal, is a guy like this who is a big time college football player for one year gets to be a big time college football player, gets to experience that life. Lord knows there have been plenty of guys that have rolled through Tallahassee the last decade that probably didn't deserve to be considered a big-time college football player. Fair. They still got to play in Death Valley. They still got to play in, in bowls. It's cool that he gets this. Does that make sense? I hope I Absolutely. explained that. Yeah, It'll no, be a better no. column, folks, than what that just was. No, no. This is indeed – it is his sixth year. Uh, yeah, I get it, man. You know, he's sacrificed himself for that long, playing this that position in this sport. That's grueling and – See, finally, kind of, uh, you know, a payoff come for him. And he, and listen, he's a he's a really intelligent, uh, earnest kid, right? He's like constantly being very honest and truthful yeah. and, and transparent about everything. About listen, you know, when you start playing these games, you get more recognition. Like, you know, that's why he's here. So he embraced these sort of uh, moments, and for him to, you know, spring together. What he, I think, he says, probably the most. You know, the biggest play he's ever been a part of playing football, yeah, that entire fumble, you know? Well, and he talked about, like, pregame looking around. He goes, once the game starts, it's a game, which is true. But he said he's never heard a stadium that loud before. He's never seen that many people. Like, just pregame at Clemson. I, I kind of asked him, like, do you allow yourself to appreciate that you're in a game like this? And he said, yeah, he was really um, – He's really kind of matter of fact about it. It's a really good interview. Go watch it, everyone. Not an interview. It's a really good uh, – well, it is, but it wasn't a one-on-one. But it's a, it was a, a – Braden Fisk is a really likable kid. And I also like how he talked about 
just knowing that they're hunted now. And he's yeah. like, listen, man, I know how it is. Like we were we were paid to show up to these games and we wanted to, you know, upset these teams and shock the nation. So like probably having a guy like that provides a nice little bit of a luxury to give perspective to your team to push through and, and know what they're up against moving forward, right? Because, you know, Duke will still probably be ranked. Miami will probably be ranked. Otherwise, I don't think they'll see anybody ranked until they're in Charlotte. So all those teams will be doing everything they can to ruin Florida State season. Good to have a guy like that on your team that's going to push everybody and let them know like what's up ahead. Because yeah, um, yeah, if you're if you came to Florida State from the jump, like you weren't ever expect you didn't sign up to be the team you know that's going to surprise everybody, right? Like you 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 were going to be the hunted, but you don't know how that's going to be. Well, but I think this this particular group of Florida State players, like moving forward, absolutely. But right now, I was thinking about that today too. When you when you think about, um, you know, Robert Scott came here in 2020. They had had what three straight losing seasons, and it's a new coach and it's a COVID year. Like I think, uh, Marquiston Douglas, Toa Feely, those kind of guys. Two straight losing seasons. Sorry. Sorry, but you know what I mean. Yeah, but with at least six losses in three straight seasons, it was it was a not a it was not the Florida State that Dalvin Cook signed with. So maybe they did. Like they did, I, I think they showed up to Florida State wanting to be a part of like a, a rebirth. They had to have been because it was awful what they were joining. Um, so that's cool for them too. Like they're not th- this group of Florida State players should be hungrier than any other group they've had because a lot of them were three star guys. A lot of them were afterthoughts. Are are you know guys that diamonds in the rough, quote unquote. There aren't many big time five star recruits on this team that would have any sense of entitlement. And last year they played like that. Like they, they were hungry. And honestly, quite honestly, they are this year too. They really do work hard, guys. They they It's not like they take these practices lightly. I mean, they get after it. Um, but I, I think that's what's so cool about this team in, in general, not just the brain fisks and the and the cypresses and the, and the Jared Burses, um, guys that, you know, weren't really all high, that, that highly thought of coming out of, out of high school. But, but the guys that maybe have been here for two or three years finally getting to see what they put their faith in come true. Like, hey, imagine being Darius Washington, man. Like, what this must mean to him, you know, to, to, to join this team, play every position under the sun, never know if you're going to start or not, but you know they're always going to need you. They're never going to give you a job to start the season, but they're always going to need you. You hang around, you're that guy, and you get to play center. You get to play right tackle like he did at the end of the Clemson game. He'll play guard sometimes. He just plays them all. And he joined a program that was, like Aslan said, two two losing seasons in three years, and they all went through three and six together. Hmm. And now they're top five in the country. I don't know. Now that I think about it, right? Like, what? Maybe like the 87 Florida State team was like that, or maybe the guys that Jimbo brought in that first class is the most um, comparable. Taking like a leap what, of faith or whatever? Uh, yes, a leap of faith, because Urban Meyer was still at Florida, and yeah. they were still winning a lot of games. And LaMarcus Joyner, Jeff Luke, uh, Christian Green, guys like that said yes to Florida State when Florida was still running the state. And then three years later, they're winning the national. And they had to experience a loss at Wake Forest, too, and a loss at home to Virginia. You know, in a, in a North Carolina kid making a kick and then doing the – well, that was, that was against them, I think? That was 16, yeah. Oh. Was it not? I thought – oh, they did, but they did lose to North Carolina yeah. during one of those years because Hopkins missed the kick. 
So they experience some downtimes too, but nobody has experienced downtimes like this. And then now to be one of the you know one of the top five teams in the country is really cool. Like maybe the '76 class of '76 that joined Bowden in his first year. Maybe that's the most comparable because two years later they won ten games, and then three years three years later they were undefeated. In '79 they were undefeated and played in the Orange Bowl. So this is that's kind of the most like this group of guys that are still here. There we go. VitaminEnergy.com, promo code WordChampBogo, WordChamp, B-O-G-O. Buy one, get one free. Vitamin Energy, clinically proven, award-winning, more than one million happy customers getting their day started and energized throughout with VitaminEnergy.com. Again, use that promo code WordChampBogo. Buy one, get one free. 14-day clinical study. Participants reported 89% that uh, they agreed. The shots are effective at boosting their energy. 75% agree they were able to focus and concentrate better after the shot. It's not even two ounces. 260 milligrams, all-natural caffeine, no sugar, no additives, preservatives. It is kosher. It is non-GMO. It's what you need to get your day going. VitaminEnergy.com. One of us will be wearing a War Champ polo that's got the Energy logo on it during the game. Come spot him and shake his hand uh, on Saturday. And I'll use the workout plus in the meantime to get my week going as best as I possibly can. I did get a spray tan before we started Ooh. recording Athlon, so maybe my skin will pop Ooh. in that white. Maybe I'll feel better about it. No, I don't want you. I don't want. It, I don't want it to bleed in. I don't. I don't want it to bleed on your onto your polo. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh well, by the time I mean it'll it'll be like days later. I'll, it, it should, does it it's set like, pretty? Does it set pretty quickly? I think quickly? so. I think that yeah. She told me that like after a couple hours I could go take a shower. How the abs looking? Uh, they're popping, buddy. Yeah. They are popping. Nice. I'll show you. Uh, I'll show you when we're done. Okay, right on. I saw the uh, the drunken side by side with you and our guy, uh, Chris, the other day. Uh, ab ab showdown pose down. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. I mean, he's he's winning that. He's, he's... And it wasn't drunken, by the way. He, well, I can't speak for him. Oh, but okay. I wasn't. All right. Uh, yeah. But yes, he's that's ridiculous. I can't compete with that. He's a mutant. He's a mutant. It's it's not even fair. That's and that. again, like I tell you, when I show him. Like what I'm working with, it's never like, man, you look great. Hmm. It's always, well, you got to do this, this, and this. I'm like, buddy, I am as old as the hills. I am doing the best I can. Just tell me. I know you're married to a cheerleader, and y'all have, y'all both have 12 packs. But just appreciate what this old man has done to his body. Amen, brother. Amen. VitaminEnergy.com promo code WordChantBogo. As guaranteed, everybody, we got Mike Barber with us from the Richmond Times-Dispatch joining us to talk Virginia Tech football. Mike, thanks for taking time out, man. How are things? Things are excellent. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, let's start off, could we, with maybe like the 20,000-foot view or 30,000-foot view, whatever the metaphor cliche is these days. Like, you know, for, for some reason to me, it's, it seems like Brent Pry has been there for longer than one and a, <laughs> and a third of a season, but it's, it's really only been, however, like 14 games or so that he's been uh, out there in Blacksburg. But with the way the team looked last year, you know, three and eight, if I'm not mistaken, like a seven game losing skid, there were some one possession games, some one point losses, and maybe some ones that weren't that close. It didn't seem like there was a lot of optimism, uh, at least in ACC circles and corners for what Virginia, Virginia Tech could be this year. Uh, they didn't come out the gates all that hot, but to, to win your first game in the conference, has that kind of elevated expectations around the program? And what were the expectations uh, coming into year two of Brent Pry taking things over? 
Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the expectations were pretty humble <laughs> for this team. I thought, you know, if they could get to six wins, I thought that would be a remarkable job by Brent Pry and his staff based on the talent that they have. Um, you, know, you know, I think you're looking at a program that is very much in a rebuild mode. And, and I think the fans understood that. I think there's an optimism among the fans because they've done all right recruiting. They've done well recruiting in state. Um, so there are some little markers there that I think are keeping uh, the fan base, you know, reasonably optimistic. I, I think, you know, six wins would have placated them this year. That's a little bit harder to get to now. You mentioned the way they started. They had a really weird start to the season there with four games that I thought could go any direction. Uh, if you had told me they were 0 and 4, they were 4 and 0, they were 3 and 1, 2 and 2, 1 and 3, there was no combination there that would have blown my mind. Um, but I think that 1 and 3 was disappointing. Uh, but you mentioned the win over Pitt, maybe things pointed in the right direction. I still think it'd be tough to get to six wins, but uh, that's the ceiling for this group. Yeah, Rutgers, I think, only has one loss. That's against, you know, number two, Michigan. Uh, that's a, a team that, you know, Rutgers is a team that beat Virginia Tech. But then also Marshall's 4-0 right now. So Marshall might be better than we anticipated. So it's not like they've lost to the Sisters of the Poor or anything like that. Has anything changed, though, since uh, the injuries sustained in that Purdue game to quarterback Grant Wells with now, um, you know, Kyron Drones, uh, Kyron Drones, rather, uh, taken over that's maybe affected the trajectory of what this team can be because, yeah, you talk about the fans being happy with, you know, maybe like a, a six-win season. I was trying to rewatch the game, Mike, and I accidentally stumbled upon the 2022 game for like a minute or two. I'm like, wait, what, isn't this game supposed to be in Blacksburg? This one's being played in Pittsburgh. So then I find the 23 game, but like the energy in that stadium, I'm like, my gosh, Lane Stadium is on fire. That cannot be the 2023 fan base going crazy, but, uh, you know, they're, they're feeling it for this team. I mean, is this quarterback sparking maybe some, newfound optimism and hope for what they can be in, in the immediate term? Well, I, I think there's two things about that. One, I think this fan base, no matter what's going on, for whatever reason, they sell out Lane and they have great energy, particularly at night. Um, you know, I've been a lot of places. Lane Stadium at night is a really good venue. Uh, that said, yeah, I think there is some excitement about what Drones has brought. And I think it's twofold. One, the most popular guy in college football is always the backup quarterback. So there is, there is a sense of like, okay, well, now we've got our guy. We better ride with him because we've been saying we want to see this guy. And then I think the second thing is the number one problem for Virginia Tech, at least offensively, has been an inability to run the football. Now, I'm talking the traditional run game, using your tailback, using your running back. Uh, but drones comes in and they can run it from the quarterback position with him. So I think there is a very pragmatic way to look at it and say, hey, this team is better with drones, even though, yeah, Grant Wells is a more polished passer. He's a more experienced player. He looked great against Old Dominion throwing the ball. He rallied them against Purdue. But this looks like a more complete offense with drones because he's picking up those rushing yards that they just weren't getting in traditional ways. What is the timeline on Wells? I mean, is is this like drones' team now to lose at this point? Wells has been day to day since the minute he was hurt. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we heard that he was ready and then he was available in emergency role at Rutgers. It seemed like he was farther away for the Marshall game when he was, you know, that was his homecoming. He transferred from Marshall and there was really no buzz or chatter that he might get to play. And now with the way drones played, he was just named the ACC quarterback of the week. He accounted for five touchdowns, you know, rushing and passing. Yeah, it feels like at this point it would be a weird move to go back to Wells. The only thing I will say is in the preseason, what we had heard, Wells kind of won that quarterback job, but the plan was to play them both uh, and to have that dreaded two-quarterback system. 
in a sense that works, right? Because Wells is more of a passer. Drones is more of a rusher. You really would be giving defenses two different looks. I think when Wells comes back, there will still be some of that. I think if Drones is in trouble, I think if the team is behind and needs to chuck it a bunch, you'll see Wells. But yeah, to your point, to me, to me, you ride with Drones right now because of how things looked Saturday night. You know, things didn't look that great against Marshall, but then against Rutgers, there was a little sign of life uh, out of Drones. But the fact that, you know, he was able to be the ACC kind of quarterback of the week, I mean, where, you know, it, it seems like there's like a tie for what he, he was. And then I guess maybe that pit game shows, I mean, what he possibly could be. Is that the hope? Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and I think it's not just me and you saying that. I think offensive coordinator Tyler Bowen maybe looked at him a little closer and said, maybe we can do some other things with this guy. Uh, he threw two f- touchdown passes of over 50 yards Saturday night. One was a 54-yard through the air yeah. deep bomb to Dave. The first touchdown was beautiful, Mike. The first touchdown was absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yeah. it's, it's the second best pass he's thrown since he's been at Tech. The best one was the same play to the same kid against Rutgers, and Felton dropped it. Uh, Those are the two best balls that Drones has thrown. So he's got the ability to put a deep ball on the money. The second touchdown pass he threw, a a long-distance one, was 53 yards to Jalen Lane. He threw the ball maybe six yards in the air, but he did it in the face of a tremendous rush. He delivered a perfect throw. And this offense is sculpted now to give these receivers, who are all transfers, they're all new, there was no talent in this program a year ago, uh, give them a chance to break big plays. So I think Tyler Bowen, the offensive coordinator, is seeing, hey, drones can do it long, he can do it short, I've got receivers who can do some things, and maybe he's saying, okay, no, we can't line up and smash the ball, but we've got some other ways to make things happen. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the fact that they went to the transfer portal. I don't know how much like a. It seems like there's a almost like a parallel between like what Mike Norvell had to do to get Florida State back on track and what Brent Pry's trying to do, but maybe not with as sexy or household names as a guy like Keon Coleman that was brought in for Florida State. But you know, Bashal Tutin uh, seemed to run really well against Pitt too, and I know that that standard traditional running game might not be there yet. But that kid runs hard. Is there uh, is there hope that maybe him and this offensive line can start? Uh, bringing something together that would then open up a, a passing game for uh, drones and the uh, the guys out wide. So I'm going to say yes to half your question. I think Bashal Tootin's the real deal. Uh, I don't have a lot of hope for this offensive line, but we did see some moments Saturday night where I thought Tootin got hit behind the line of scrimmage and still managed to make a four yard gain or a six yard gain. That's some of the optimism in the run game is, hey, here's a guy who, while the line is figuring it out, he's going to make some positive gains and he's going to make some big plays. I mean, the 12-yard touchdown he scored, it was technically a pass play, but he ended up hurtling a defender, hopping over a defender who went low. He's got a knack for the end zone. He's got a knack for big plays. I really like him. I think he's the real deal. I think the receivers they brought in are the real deal. Uh, The difference, I think, between what Florida State did and what Tech did, I think Florida State had a lot more talent in its program, and they went out and got some home run hitters to fill some holes and become a great team. Whereas I think Virginia Tech, you know, they needed to get some pieces just to become functional offensively. Are they dynamic out wide at all? I know there's a there's a Daquan and a, and a Daquan, uh, but what, what sort of a threat does uh, Virginia Tech pose right now? Do you think out wide? I I think they are. So the interesting thing is the most dynamic receiver they added is a player named Ali Jennings, who was a transfer from Old Dominion. Uh, But he got injured in the Purdue game. He's out indefinitely. We saw him on crutches and sideline. He's had surgery. They're not giving up hope he gets back at the end of the season, but we'll see. I thought he was the most dynamic. But Daquan Felton has shown the ability to get behind defenses, and Drones has the arm to hit him. Jalen Lane has shown the ability, as has Bashal Tutin, to take a short pass and turn it into something big. So I do think they are dynamic. Now, 
I'm jaded because a year ago they were completely not dynamic. They had no playmakers. They had no skill. There was nobody fun to watch on this offense. So this year, yeah, they got some guys with some wiggle and some shake. Uh, you know, are, are they the 90s, late 80s, 90s Miami, Florida State games? No, but there's some talent uh, out there to make some plays now. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Lane Stadium on a Saturday night is, is almost magical. A pit's probably not what we thought they were going to be, maybe not what they have been. Uh, I guess we'll really find out Saturday in terms of the proof being in the pudding. But does it feel like Virginia Tech might have turned some sort of corner? Does it feel that was probably a confluence of, of a night game in an electric stadium and a, an opponent that just really hasn't been able to find anything offensively to go their way? I, I explain it this way. It feels like they did turn a corner. And now they're running right smack into a truck. <laughs> um, the schedule is just, yeah, we, nobody knows how the schedule is going to play out before. If they were going from this game to play Boston College, it would feel like, hey, this team's about to go on a roll and really find something. I hate the Florida State matchup, one, because Florida State's better. Two, I don't like things about the matchup. Uh, and, and three, I hate the fact that it feels a little bit like the rugs are got to get pulled out from under them. Um, and really, only Florida State and Clemson uh, are teams I would say that. You know, North Carolina is very good, but there's a rivalry there that brings something in, in those games. Uh I think Virginia Tech found something offensively. I think they had their pride tested defensively with how badly they had played run defense and really stepped up Saturday night against Pittsburgh and against a more evenly matched foe. I think you could really see this team start to put it together. I'll be curious to see. I, I think the hope is that they play well and play competitively against Florida State and that there is some momentum there, regardless of the outcome, that they can take into the back half of their schedule. I feel like even the, the final score really wasn't indicative of just how well Virginia Tech played. I mean, those was it, it was 21 points. Pitt scored one of them, like Sebo Flemister was was almost pushed forward, was like propelled to, to score his touchdown. There was one busted coverage, and then there was a, a fumble by Drones that was recovered for a touchdown. So that might even have been as close as the, the scoreboard indicated at certain points. Yeah, I would agree. I, I thought their defense played outstanding minus maybe five plays and three of them were or two of them were long touchdowns. And then you mentioned the bizarre fumble by drones because he was untouched. Uh, he was just pulling his arm back to throw and he dropped the ball. Pitt returns it for touchdown. But yeah, it felt like Virginia Tech offensively, defensively uh, was in control the entire time. Were never really threatened and played certainly their best game of the year. Where's the strength right now in the defense? I mean, I say they got a lot of pressures according to pro football focus. I know they added Antoine Powell. Uh, Ryland, who played at rival Florida here uh, for Florida State, um, has they have they developed an identity now here with 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 Chris Marvin, what he's been trying to create there? Yeah, and it's interesting because they've become the opposite, maybe, of what we thought going into the year. Um, they had a lot of talent in the secondary. They've had a lot of injuries there. Uh, uh, they really are not as strong in the secondary as we anticipated just because of the injuries. They've still got some good players, but they've got guys out. Going into the year, I said, where is the pass rush coming from? If Powell Ryland isn't the real deal, and even if he is and you can focus on him, how are they going to get after the quarterback? But we've really seen an emergence from interior and defensive end players to become effective pass rushers. Uh, I'm really encouraged by what they're doing there. If they get healthy in the back end, I, it, I went into this year thinking they could be a top six in the ACC defense. I have been absolutely floored by how bad they were through the first few games. Uh, and then Saturday night, I thought we got back to it. And I think you're right. I think it is starting with getting some pressure, getting some run defense and getting some pass rush. The pass defense ranks really high statistically right now. How much of that, Mike, is, is a product of maybe playing teams that aren't high flying and how much of it is maybe surprise pass rush and, and coverage that seems to be holding up well? 
Yeah, they, they have good corners, right? And, and they've had to move guys out of corner to, to fill other holes and to have guys playing different spots. But they are talented in the coverage. I think some of that is how the games have unfolded. Um, you know, you, you haven't maybe had teams needing to take shots downfield because of the way the run defense was. I mean, it, it's the name of the game in college football, right? If you come out and you run the ball three times and you're getting five yards of carry, what are you going to do in the fourth? You're going to keep running it, run it. And I think teams have been doing that. Uh, but I do think that Virginia Tech is capable in the pass defense, especially if they can get guys back into their natural positions in the secondary. Um, and we'll see. Like, did this defensive line feel the, feel the heat and feel the shame of their play and have one great night? Or did they feel that shame and are they going to turn it into having a better season? That certainly remains to be seen. And it's fall break up there right now. So they've got time to, to figure this stuff out maybe, huh? Yeah, a little little time on their heads to to, and you know what? Better to come into that off a win, right, than off a loss. Uh, all right, Mike, we'll let you go. One last thing, though, either a game score prediction, please, or will Florida State and Virginia Tech be conference rivals in 2025? You can pick whichever one you want to answer. <laughs> I think they still will be in 2025. Oh, Mike, no, I do, I do. I think that that grant of rights doesn't become affordable until about 2028. To me, is the year that everybody bolts. Uh, but I think Florida State wins this one uh, by two scores. So I'll, I'll throw that out there for you. MyBookie.ag promo code is WarChant. Gives you an instant cash deposit bonus. Bet responsibly, everybody. We're going to sh- prove that we're betting responsibly by finally getting our competition, our head-to-head competition back after maybe like a one-year hiatus. Not really competition, but, you know, we want to make things fun. Sharpen iron, if you will, everybody. Uh, Corey, give me a conference. I already gave out three picks yesterday. Or maybe I gave out two. I think 52.5 was the total points on Oregon State Cal. I said take the under, which is gross, I know. But those two teams play defense. And Fresno's getting – no, Wyoming's getting five at home against Fresno. Just think it's probably time for Fresno to lose a football game. Maybe not, but Wyoming will keep it close enough. Maybe they'll lose by three at home against Fresno. Those are my two picks. Yeah, I think Fresno has the second longest winning streak in the country, right? Tied with Florida State. Behind no, Georgia? they're ahead of Florida State, oh, so really? knock them out. I think oh, they've won 13 in a row. Um, and Georgia has the longest one, so knock for, knock that FSU out, and then this FSU gets has the second longest streak. And for all we know, Georgia might lose to Kentucky. Okay. Um, but yeah, I like that. I like the thinking, Aslan. That they're they're bound to lose. It's yeah. Fresno State. Yeah. They're not that much better than Wyoming that they can just be assumed that they're going to go win on the road in Laramie. You don't just show up to Laramie and you win, man. That, it's a tough place to play. It's where the Cowboys roam. Yeah. Uh, Bama giving out two and a half in College Station against Jimbo. 49 is the total. Either of those catch your eye, Corey? I can, I can spit I out some I definitely would say the under. Okay. Um, but, I, uh, man, I, I like A&M's chances, man. Ooh. I, I do. I, I think that I oh. think it, the best thing that happened to them was Brad Johnson's kid taking over at quarterback. He's beaten Bama before. No, He's it, not was gonna be a... it was Calzada. It was Calzada. No, this is a bad matchup. He's too traditional. Alabama – We'll no like man, this. he beat him when he he beat him when he was at LSU. Did he? I'm almost positive he beat okay. him when he was at LSU. Right. I could be wrong. Sorry, I, I mean thought, I've, I've, I've been wrong before A&M. on the show. I thought you were talking about AM. Carry on. My bad. Yeah, but he's beaten them before in his career, is what I'm saying. Okay. So and he's played them at least. So he's not going to be overwhelmed by the moment. AM does have a feisty defense. I have been impressed with what they've done the last two weeks. I know it's Auburn and Arkansas, not great teams, but they've kind of dominated both those games even though the score didn't indicate it necessarily. They dominated those games. And I just – I think they'll give Alabama all they want. And I think if they can just keep that kid from running all over him at quarterback, that's Alabama's offense to me. 
Fair. And if they could just Fair. keep him from running, which they have the athletes to do, I think they're good. Alabama's in real trouble. What about Dilly getting four at home against Dion? Want to punt on that one? You want to go to something else? Uh, no, no. I'll I'll take Dion. Okay. I think they they're going to feel really good about themselves, and that's just such a mismatch at quarterback. Um, neither team is very good, I don't think, like in the in the traditional sense of being a good football team. But I think Colorado. Um, I don't think Arizona State has maybe the horses to take advantage of what Colorado is not good at. Okay. And I think Colorado will score because they score on everyone. All right, there you go. Those are your picks for the week, everybody. 52.5 under Oregon State and Cal. Wyoming plus five at home against Fresno State. Mm-hmm. Uh, A&M home getting yeah. two and a half against Bama. And the under. And the Oh, and oh, so a bonus one. A bonus oh, yeah, yeah. one when you yeah. go St. Dion. We'll win by more than four yep. in the desert versus. Sorry, Dilly. Yeah, it's okay. MyBookie.ag. Use that promo code again, WarChamp. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere over at MyBookie.ag. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. All right, that is a wrap for us. Uh, Thanks again to Mike for talking about Virginia Tech football. We'll have even a little bit more of a deeper dive into Virginia Tech on the War Chant Report powered by Cummins. Our own Matt Lacerre will catch up with some folks on the beat uh, to get some other perspective on the Virginia Tech football program. We're going to head to practice observations possibly coming your way later today we'll have uh, practice footage as well as interviews with coach norvell and selected players so check that out as well as the jeff cameron show one to three o'clock 93.3 fm terrestrial radio or war chant tv worldwide do it y'all thanks for listening thanks again for mike and for Corey. i'm aslan thank you for listening to wake up war champ presented by the corner pocket bar and grill